Hi, and welcome to episode 103 of No Crying in Baseball, the Run, Ronald, Run episode. My name is Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey, Patty. I feel like it's the Run, Potty Mouth, Run thing. I feel like I've been like nonstop this week, and I haven't had enough time for baseball, but that is going to change very soon. Wait, are you going to go to a ball game tonight? Perhaps a playoff game with yes. the Nationals? Yes. So, dear listeners, you guys are hearing this two days later. We're recording on Sunday night. So, various times throughout the episode, I think I'm going to refer to the fact that you know more than I do. But right now, I'm excited to see the Nationals play. You guys will be able to judge whether that was a good idea or not <laughs> to be this enthused. Oh, I, one more thing, though. We got a package this week. We did? We did. Was we, it for the museum? The, wait, for Oh, yes. <laughs> I was like, wait, what museum? That's right. Our NCIB museum uh-huh. that we're collecting artifacts for, right? So we got our stuff from Brian Jones. Thank you so much, Brian. I'm wearing my Gossman shirt right now, purple and all. And uh, you have a, a very nice yellow long sleeve shirt. The Gossman thing, I think, is a little backwards, though, because uh, I, or maybe that's just a dig to make me love the I O's I think it was well thought out because you need to love the O's more. But he doesn't play for the O's anymore. So I think you're reading too much into it. All right. All right. Well, we appreciate that. Thanks for the LSU gear. It's really cool. We appreciate it. I was cross-training this weekend. I took a little tiny break from baseball to go to the Washington Capitals home opener. I went to a hockey game last night. My kid came home from college. We went to a hockey game, and it was super fun. That's such a good welcome home thing, especially for you guys. Uh, Cam's awesome. Yeah, we got to yell and scream. And hey, can I just say that I was in the nosebleeds and yet still a mascot came all the way up to the 400s and threw me a t-shirt, which never happens in Nats Park. So hello, hello, Screech. Slapshot is my friend, Screech. You got to earn me. Yeah, but it's good that you caught it. Like note that. So that baseball practice is doing you well. That's right. So talking about baseball and watching baseball really (laughs) gives me good hands to catch things off the bounce. It worked. It totally worked. On today's show, our pitching squads are still in the postseason. We got something right. Yandy Diaz and DJ LeMahieu are some of my boyfriends, and they're helping teams that I don't really want to win, win. So there's that. Jose Altuve, former boyfriend of Potty Mouth, is doing what he always does. Everybody is mad at Ronald Acuna Jr., but he's trying to make up for it. We're going to rant. We're going to rant about that fucking tomahawk chop. We're going to give you a vocabulary lesson about the cardinal way, as long as the cards are still in the playoffs. And then we're going to close with some girls baseball in the DMV. Yay! I am so impressed that you called it a fucking chop. It, that shows how bad it is. It shows it? how bad it is. See, now when you when you reserve right. the profanity for right. special, you know, really meaningful things, then people notice. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's certain profanity that I reserve for really meaningful things. Oh, good God. It's I just- hope I never hear it. <laughs> It's just more creative. But hey, I have good news first. I was just realizing that both of us picked pitching squads that are, as of recording right now, still in the playoffs. And when we do our fantasy baseball boyfriend picks throughout the year, we pick a guy from each team who's super special for a reason on the field and off the field, but we pick a whole squad of pitching and they have to basically be, be good guys. I don't think we're allowed to pick pitching squads if there are any real assholes on it. Like, say, Houston this year, unfortunately. Right. Yeah, right. Which, which would be like the key knockout pitching squad, mm-hmm. except for a certain closer. Yeah. So we, we do have that filter. But beyond that, I just wanted to be a little creative this year. And and pretty much most of the season, I was laughing at myself for picking the cards. But hey, they're, cards. they're in the playoffs. And I'm very happy that your nationals are in the playoffs. Our nationals. Our nationals are in the playoffs. And they are throwing the pitching rules out the window. The Nats have never been one of those teams that – 
tries to um, innovate with pitching. They have a starter, they have a couple of like mid relievers, and they have a closer. And that's just how they do. They don't mess with the opener thing and none of that. But now that they're in the playoffs, Davey Martinez has a um, a strategy of every day you want to go 1-0. Doesn't matter what happened yesterday. Don't think about tomorrow. But today you need to win today's game. 1-0. Awesome. So Strasburg came in and in relief for Scherzer. In the wild card game, and then Scherzer came in for a shutout inning of relief in the last game that Strasburg started against the Dodgers, and it's working for them. So I think the game you're going to go to tonight, I wouldn't put, I wouldn't put it past them bringing Corbin in, our other ace starter, right. in relief later on. But let me tell you just for a second about Steven Strasburg. He has started four postseason games, and that's like the minimum to start talking about statistics. He has a postseason ERA of 0.64, which is the lowest in postseason history. Yay, so that is hooray such good for news. that. So when he pitches, we call it Strasmus. That's yes, we totally do. And we're not we're not gonna see that today or tomorrow, but maybe there could be an appearance tomorrow. I guess we'll see what happens. There's a couple of things I love about what you just said. One is Davey doing a strategy. I think part of the problem with Davey last year is he was so like not taking authority. I think that's what he got dissed for, like listening to the players for too much, but that he has a plan and it's working. I just, I want to see Davey do well. It's been hard. You know, last year was tough. And the players have said all along, the man is a rock. Mm -hmm. He says the same thing every day because it is the, today we're going to win this game today. And don't let what happened yesterday get to you. Don't worry about tomorrow. Let's. And so when they were in their slump back in the spring, he said the same things. It kicked in gear. He didn't change. So he is kind of a rock for them. And now it's starting to pay off. So we're hoping by the time you hear this, it's still paying off. Mm -hmm. Fingers are crossed. Wait, there's one more thing. I liked how both Scherzer and Strasburg got to relief each other. Yes. Because I think that's good for their egos. We know that Scherzer has a very fragile ego, especially, or he's he just, he's powerful, right? He's very determined, very emotional. He wants and, to be in control. Yeah. And I think he was pissed not to pitch more in that game. So I think that putting him in on the on the other side is good for his psyche. And he did say because he does like to be in control, I don't care that I've had no rest. I want he wants he wanted to pitch in today's yeah. game, which I totally get, but I think tomorrow is pretty darn good. Oh yeah, that'll be great. All right, boyfriends that I have that are helping teams that I don't want to win win. I have to go back to the wild card game with the Rays over Oakland. I was really go A's. I was too. Yeah, I really wanted Oakland. But can I just say my Rays boyfriend, Yandy Diaz, showed up. He was on the IL for a very long time. He The wild card game was only his second game since July that he played in. Wow. And yet he hit homers in his first and his second at bats. So I don't get points for that because our fantasy season is over. So I could just say, where the heck were you right. in August and September when I could have used those points? And now you're using them against my A's. Mm, so, so the Oakland Coliseum is gigantic, right? And as we've talked about before on the show, where Tampa Bay plays, nobody comes. Right. So when Tampa Bay is at home, there's really no fan base there. It sucks. The stadium sucks. So the Coliseum was sold out in Oakland for the wild card game, of course, as it should be, because they care about their baseball there. Thank you. Thank you, my friends in Oakland. And one uh, somebody from the media was talking to Andy Diaz and said, you know, how are you going to feel with like, this huge sellout of, a, of the Coliseum? Yeah, it's going to be loud. Huge. They're all going to be rooting for the other team. And he said, eh, there were people with guns when I played in Cuba. All right. So he put that in perspective very quickly. 
Of course, since that game, they have gone on to play the Astros where they were both Verlandered. And then, I don't know if it's a word yet, but cold. Garrett Coleman pitched. It is cold. Burr, cold. Burr. It's so cold. It was <laughs> so, so cold. That's what that transcription device that does our Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's going to stay cold for sure. So Yandy and all of his teammates have been kind of shut down in Houston so far, but now they're moving back to Tampa where there'll be at least eight people in the crowd to cheer from them. It won't be cold. They they will be um, grankied. Yes. They will be grankied. Um, DJ LeMahieu, my uh, Yankees boyfriend, because he hasn't been a Yankee for too long, um, their first playoff game, he hit the first home, first Yankees home run of the postseason. He had a four RBI game in game one over the twins and of course i am totally pro twins here because i am largely no completely anti-yankees thank um, you uh, that doesn't surprise anybody no, come on no. now and in but game two it makes me happy in game two he doubled and two runs scored so again no points for me because the the season is over but dj Mayhew is pounding nails in the coffin of the twins so i'm a little ticked at my boyfriend there yeah he almost fucked up or he did fuck up he dropped a really easy pop fly it was humorous it was one of those like keystone cops wow that should have been an easy play and yeah. that was at the beginning of the game before he did all the before the home stuff. run and yeah. four rbis yeah he was probably super embarrassed and really wanted to make up for it say like, potty mouth is making fun of me right now i have to earn her that, respect back. Uh, totally totally yeah. you know who has my respect forever and ever is jose Altu which you sweetly said former boyfriend because X sounds too too final, right? It does. Too sad. It does. Or it sounds like you had like a bad breakup yeah. or something. He's my ex. But no, it's just that you had to move. It was time to move on because yeah. we have stupid rules. Exactly. Because of our rules of our podcast, we can't we can only keep one boyfriend overall from year to year. And I I I was so close to choosing Altuve, but I chose Mookie Betts. But Altuve, I hadn't realized, has been hitting a home run the first game of every postseason. And he said this to Carlos Correa before the game. So he called his own home run for the first game. So he has a total of nine home runs in the playoffs. What a guy. So in the bottom of the fifth, this is the first game, zero to zero, he got a two-run home run. And Correa said this isn't the only one he calls, that he often calls his home runs. So people are comparing that to that, you know, the Babe Ruth thing. Oh, sure. Pointing for the home run. Um, what I thought was really cute in my sort of age range uh, vernacular is ESPN called him a weeble. Does he wobble? Because and, and he doesn't, doesn't fall, fall down. down. Yeah. How many folks out there get that? Please, Ten. please let me know. He actually had a really start, a rough start to the season. He did. He was coming off an injury, and then he went back on the IL. And he, this is a, the, the cutest quote. He's adorable. Come on. We've got to use the word here. Jose Altuve Cheers. is adorable. By we, the way, we have a drinking game, if you're new to the podcast, that whenever Potty Mouse is adorable in a sports context, we drink. So cheers. Cheers. We would drink when you say adorable in a sports context, but you just don't do it. Because it's not <laughs> a sports word. Right. So hence the drinking game. Wait, <laughs> let me take a sip, and then I'll tell the story. Mm. So he said... We all know how I started the season. Every time I got on base, I told the first baseman, I'm really happy I'm here and that I got a hit. <laughs> is that just the cutest fucking thing? You always wonder what the what the runners talk about when they're on first because the first baseman are always chatting people up. Like, what is it that yeah. you're saying to each other? And now we know. Yeah, but doesn't that sound like a middle school boy in Little League being like, I am so happy I'm on first base. I got this hit. By the way, his teammate, Alex Bregman, is giving him a run for his money on this uh something special about the postseason, he has gotten a home run on October 5th for the past three years. 
Wow. Yeah. So there are something like 10 other players in MLB who have done that, who have gotten a home run on the same date of the postseason for three years, but nobody has done it for. So next year on October 5th, tune in here and hopefully we'll remember and then report back on <laughs> Because that. you know the Astros will again be in yes. the postseason because they don't show any signs of slowing down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I talk about Ronald Acuna Jr. a lot because he's always doing something. You have good reasons. I do. So he's my boyfriend on the Atlanta team. And he made the news, a lot of news, bad news, on a lot of sides this past week for not running out his hits. Okay, so we hear this sometimes where the pitchers get mad when the batter kind of stops and admires their home run and then does their little trot. Well, that happened. But before that happened... Earlier in that game, this is game one against St. Louis, Acuna hits what he thinks is a home run, so he doesn't really run, and then it bounces off the outfield wall. And so it should have been a double had he actually run, and he basically made it to first. He got a single out of what should have been a double, which he thought was a home run, but he didn't run it out. So not only is the whole fan base angry because, oh, my God, this was the, a game that they didn't, didn't work. Um, Freeman is angry at him. Freddie Freeman says, I'm frustrated because because Acuna Jr. was sat back in August for not running things so out. So he should have learned he his should, lesson no, earlier. It, it shouldn't happen again. Mm-hmm. Um, Albies, Ozzy Albies, who's his buddy, said, no, this can't happen. So I mean, you can't blame youth because Albies is, Albies is younger, right? Right, or right. Young. And and their manager Snickers like, no, nope, this, this. Oh no, Albies is older. Sorry, but Never they're mind. but they're, but like, they're both the, young. Yeah, they're 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 the kids. They're they call them like okay. the the baby Braves. They're the kids, and so everybody is angry. Everybody is disappointed. So he still goes three for four in that game, and he, they still won. They he hits a home run. He singles, and <laughs> no, they didn't win that first one. Oh, that's right. That's they, the one they, did, didn't they win. just barely didn't. They just yeah, barely didn't, so which happy. is why this one right. might this what might have made a difference because he could have ended up on third base that's with right. the next hit and he could have gone in. So that's why it's even worse. In the ninth inning, he hits a home run off of the Cardinals closer, Carlos Martinez. And Martinez is ticked. He's like, he's disrespecting me. He needs to respect me and respect the game. Except that Carlos Martinez just gave up a home run to him. He just given up a bunch of hits. He was having a terrible inning. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hello, pot. Kettle, have you guys met? You can't give this guy crap about this. Um, Yadier Molina had to come out and calm him down because he was starting to chirp at the dugout. He was kind of a mess. Interesting to see Molina on the calming side because we just talked about him being on the pissed off at the pitcher side. Right. So that happens too. But I I think, you know, when he says, no, this is not okay, that this is, you are totally in the wrong here. So you need to just kind of shut up and move on. So interestingly, the cards were mad at him for not running out a home run. His own team was mad at him for not running out what he thought earlier one. was a yeah. home run. So the man the man just needs to run no matter what. And he finally got the message. In game two, he ran his butt off. He put the work in. But before that happened, he met with Snitker. He met with his manager and he apologized. Then he met with his team and said, I was wrong. I was wrong. I know I should do better and I will do better. I promise you this is not going to happen again. And then he made a public apology that includes this. To all the children who follow me and to all who watch baseball, that is unacceptable. No matter who does it, it is something that cannot happen. That sounds to me like real words and a real apology and not something that just gets written by your, you know, your, your 
your public relations person. And that's what we're always looking for is some way to, to make up. If you, I mean, we all fuck up, but you've got to like take responsibility and make up for it. I just want to say though, I, I find those two runouts very different. I definitely mm-hmm. have an issue with the, you hit the ball, you run, right? Mm-hmm. But after it went out of the park on that last one, that's yeah. not a big deal to not run your heart out. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. But I think he sat back and admired it going out a little bit, which okay. I really yeah, don't. That part, don't if do. It, don't if do it's that. a no doubter, right. I don't have a problem with that. And I do get angry with pitchers who are like, oh, he's showing me up and he's disrespecting yeah. me. It's like, no, he hit off of you. You should do better. Right. Do your job and then he won't be able to do that. Right. And it's one thing if it's a no doubter, but if it's not a no doubter, you better be running. And he yeah. did. So the second game he did. So that's the other part of the apology. Are you doing things to show that you are making amends? Ah, right. That's important. Exactly. It's not just words. So, you know, and of one game since the apology so far, so good. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. And again, you folks know more than us. So did he keep running? Yeah. We're waiting to find out. Last week, we gave you the rundown of the managers who were out because of retirement or because they got canned. This week, somebody else got canned, Mickey Calloway of the Mets. They're surprised to no one. Apparently, yeah. it was not a bad firing in that they didn't just sort of make a media mess out of it. They had sort of a private meeting. It was respectful and all of that. But here's an interesting thing. So the Mets opening, I think, and the Cubs opening are sort of the highest profile manager jobs that are up for grabs right Mm now. Um, And all of a sudden, there are three former managers. And I mean former in that they have gone and done different jobs since the last time they managed a team who are now being talked about for the Mets job, probably also the Cubs job. Our favorite, Dusty Baker, who's 70. Yeah, I hope he ends up happy somewhere because he's great. He He really had a lot more in him when they – Yeah, I'm ticked about that whole thing. He's been working as an advisor to the San Francisco Giants. Um, Joe Girardi, you know, most recently of the Yankees has been an analyst with MLB Network for a while now. He's still in mighty fine shape. I always appreciated that as a manager. He really looks like like he can take the field. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he looks like he could take down most anybody. And Buck Showalter, most recently of the O's, has been a, a Yes Network analyst. That's the Yankee Network. Analysts, so they, these guys have all been doing other things that aren't managing, and all of their names are now coming up as possibly wanting to get back into the role of manager. So I'm curious to see how that plays out. I'm really hoping that you, by the time you all are listening to this, that the St. Louis Cardinals have had an amazing comeback. Like you said, you just corrected me. They've already won one game. And the Braves have won another, and there's some games to be happening in St. Louis, and I'm hoping those are going well because I don't want to hear that fucking chop again. I don't want Atlanta to go on because, as we know, everything's more intense in the postseason. So it's been mildly, mm, seriously annoying throughout the season whenever I've watched a game in Atlanta, but this time it's crazy. It's loud, it's chanting, and I just don't understand how anybody thinks it's okay. I want to tell you one thing before the rant continues, because I want you to rant your heart out, because I am <laughs> okay. so behind you in this rant. When I was watching the you know bits and pieces of the other playoff games, I watch Acuna and Freeman and Albies and Donaldson, and these are guys I really like to see play. And yeah, I think, for sure. is it time for me to get over my grudge that I've been holding from the <laughs> 90s against Atlanta and you know get behind these guys because they're these are terrific guys and they're good players? And then the fan base starts starts that fucking chop. Yeah, and I think these are horrible people. Why don't they see what they're doing? I don't want them to win. 
I don't. I want these people to be punished. And these people, I mean the fans, because this sucks and it should not stand. Yeah. So there, I, I come down to this thing of who do I hate more, this fan base or the the institution, the organization that's promoting it. Because, yes, it's these people who are going, but the organization is absolutely promoting it. They're handing out fucking styrofoam tomahawks. Huh, what should I do with this tomahawk? I know, I'll chop with it. Well, especially because the Jumbotron (laughs) is giving you instructions on how to do it. They have t-shirts printed with instructions how to do it. They have the fucking Chick-fil-A cow in the bullpen doing the tomahawk chop. I'm sorry, that's wrong on seven different levels. (laughs) so much wrong. And their hashtag... Chop Chop on. on. Yeah, I remember they had that really good girls playing baseball and women Mm -hmm. playing baseball commercial. And I thought, this is fantastic. And then the closing screen had that damn chop on hashtag. And I thought, you just screwed it up. Yeah, I just saw another one today, actually, that was on Twitter. And it was like this hospital visit thing with the team. And then it ends with chop on. So it's just so offensive for a variety of reasons. I think, ironically, Rob Manfred in February said that the Braves have taken steps to take out the tomahawk chop. What were those steps exactly? I, so I don't understand. They, they actually have the foam tomahawks in their hand right now. So this has been simmering for a long time. There are a section of us who have been pissed off about it. There are apparently enough people who keep doing it. An interesting article that I read that, I, that we'll link to on the post talked about when they moved the Braves stadium out of the city, how that whitened things a lot. Because they're in a northern fan base. And the interesting thing is their excuse for moving it there is because they said that's where the fans were. So it's a chicken or the egg kind of thing. So who are you catering to? But, you know, you scan the crowd and I don't know what to say. The people who are defending it are saying that they got it from the Florida State Seminole. So there was this big sweep of, of especially universities recently where they started getting rid of the Native American mascots and a lot of places changed their name. And the Seminoles were one of very few, if not, I don't, I don't know, I haven't done that much homework, maybe the only uh, team that didn't change. And the reason why is because they have an actual relationship with the actual Seminole tribe in Florida. So there's a big hunk of the Seminole tribe still in Florida, which is where they originated. A lot of them got forced out, but that's the end of the story. But those who are still there... I guess at some point gave the university permission to use this stuff with a certain stipulation that this relationship is ongoing. So it's not like we give you the money, you give us the permission to use your stuff, goodbye, we'll never see you again. But every time Florida State does something connected to that label of Seminole or their their traditions around it, they check with the tribe. And so and there's even like something on the in the college courses where the kids have to learn about Native American history in Florida. This seems like it's moving in the right direction. There is, yeah. So, but, there's always that but, right? So the one of the buts is the fucking tomahawk chop. So they're they're chopping there in in Seminole country. And it's not accurate to begin with. And they do a lot of things like they have spears on their buses and that's not accurate weaponry. So there are some things that the tribe has sort of said, we're just going to let this go, even though it's not okay. But then... A whole boatload of the tribe was forced out to move to Oklahoma, where most Native Americans were forced way back. And that section of the tribe is against all this. And nobody asked them for permission because they're not in Florida. So the the justification 
is, I don't know. I mean, I, I was sort of pissed that there would be any attempt at one to begin with. But even when you look at it, it's really tenuous. Well, and this is Atlanta using the tomahawk chop. Mm-hmm. This is not Florida Seminoles okay. using the tomahawk chop. Right. Right. So this is already removed greatly from its origins. Exactly. Exactly. So it's like ten- tenuous that the, the folks in Florida State do it, but it's even worse that it moved up to Atlanta when Deion Sanders, who I guess was a quarterback with FSU and was on the Braves, which I had no idea in 1991. You probably remember this. I was busy this. hating Atlanta then, yeah. so sure, I knew that. Yeah. So... <laughs> Somehow he brought it with him and it stuck. So this all came to a head. Well, it came to a head the, the first time it came out with the with the playoffs against St. Louis. But the St. Louis has a relief pitcher, Ryan Halsey, who is part Cherokee. And he is a member of the Cherokee Nation. And his Cherokee identity is actually a, a big part of his upbringing. I don't know if it's his mom or his grandfather who's um, completely Cherokee because I saw two different reports on it. But I do know that his great aunt teaches the Cherokee language, which is on the verge of extinction. So she, this is a very purposeful maintaining their culture, their heritage. She teaches it at an immersion school, if I can still pronounce Um so he has to come out in Atlanta with people chopping all around him. And it's just the image. When uh, when relief pitchers come out in Atlanta mm-hmm. at home, they turn the lights down and everybody turns the lights on their phones and they chop with their phones. Oh, my God. So it's really intimidating. I mean, it's visually stunning and also appalling yeah. at the same time. Can you imagine walking out to that? Uh, no, absolutely not. And to give this guy credit, he he didn't get on them for that at that point. He did say he was in his pitching zone. It didn't interfere that much. But he did make several statements, both before and after, saying that it kind of devalues our Cherokee heritage and the Native American history. Us as Cherokee Native people went through a lot in this country, as did the Seminole. I mean, all the tribes. He talked about it as being disappointing, disrespectful. And it's about the misconception of us, the Native Americans, and how we're perceived in that way or used as mascots, mm-hmm. the Redskins, <laughs> local folks, and stuff like that. It's just remarkable that we can still use one race of people as a sports mascot. It's horrifying. It's horrifying. Like, and as as you pointed out, him saying that as the representative mm-hmm. with the, with his Cherokee identity – a lot of people probably said, oh, yeah, that sucks. But why did it have to get that far? Exactly. Why did he have to be like the embodiment of why this is wrong as opposed to, hey, this is inherently wrong. We need to stop. Right. We need to behave like respectful adults here and just cheer for our team without insulting an entire race of people. Right. Exactly. Because his appearance is what made it actually hit the news now. Mm-hmm. And why are you so offended because the guy is in the room? You know, it's okay to insult somebody if there's nobody in the room of that race or That's background. That's like, apo- I apologize if I made you feel bad. Right. As opposed to, I apologize because what I said was offensive. Yeah. So the Braves' response is not nearly as good as the apology that you talked about with Acuna before. They said, we will continue to evaluate how we activate elements of our brand as well as the in-game experience and look forward to a continued dialogue with those in the Native American community 
once the season comes to an end. Wouldn't want to screw with the playoffs now, would we? It's just offensive in so many ways. First of all, continue. Well, if you're continuing what Manafred said you started in February, you have not gotten very far, folks. Right. Like, what's going on? You're handing these things out. And it sounds like they're talking about a video game. You know, activate elements of our brand and the in-game experience. I'm sorry. These are human beings. They're human beings in the seats, and they're human beings on the field. They're not elements. Yeah. I just want one more thing about asshole fans, just while we're on the topic of asshole fans. Yankees fans, love you guys. Chanting Uber for Randy Dobnak, who um, was making his sixth MLB start as a pitcher. He's a Cinderella story. Oh, my God. He should be celebrated. Absolutely. And he was in the minors last year. And he had low A, like super minor minors, super minors. He had to make ends eat. Me eat, <laughs> make ends meet. Meat to eat. Oh, God. All right, we're almost there. Make ends meet by driving Uber on top of being a minor league player. We've talked about how minor league players just don't get paid. They have to take second jobs. So we should be chanting for him for this. But no, Yankees fans are doing it in that sort of demeaning chant tone, Uber, Uber. And I just, the poor guy. I mean, he didn't do so well. But who would in Yankee Stadium under those circumstances? But can I say he's very proud that he had a 4.9 rating as an Uber driver? Good for him. Right? Yeah. Vocabulary lesson. You may hear analysts and commentators say the cardinal way when plays happen while the Cardinals are playing here in the postseason. The cardinal way is actually... Sort of the, the rule book, the handbook for Cardinals players. It's like an 86-page handbook that everybody in the organization is given when they start out. And for the Cardinals, that means when they get started, when they start out at the super low levels of the minors, because one of the things that's inherent in the Cardinal way is they like to grow their own players. They like to recruit the guys into, you know, into the beginning of, of their careers and basically train them up to play they want their team to play from the lowest levels to the highest levels. You get trained the same way at every level of the minor leagues all the way through the major leagues. So organizationally developed players is number one, the cardinal way, fundamentals, right? Bat them on, bat them over, bat them in. Small ball. I do love me some small ball. Oh, uh, that's so much more entertaining. That's lots of fun to watch. And a lot of defense. Here's the, here's a double play. Here's Sexy. how you de- here's how you defend against the bunt. Here's how you make these plays happen. There was some interesting um there was an interesting play on uh, one of the games against uh, Atlanta where Atlanta would try to do the, the little league thing where the guy in first was trying to steal second as a decoy so the guy in third could get home and the cards were ready for it. You know, the the throw out was the second baseman was halfway between first and second, saw the guy break for home from third, and they they caught him. They tagged out the lead runner because they knew to watch for that because they drill that kind of stuff. Now, some of the players say, uh, some people say, well, these are like, their players are kind of like robots. They're all good, but you don't know who they are. Oh, bullshit. Well, look at my Molina. Look at your Molina. But also, that's that actually means they've all been trained the same way. And nobody is um, like coming in and dancing their own steps, okay. which is sort of important to them. Yeah. And like even like I mean, they got they got Goldschmidt, right? They got they got a superstar. Yeah. So they have they bring in. He fits in well. He does fit in well. They bring in some people, but they don't go out and buy mm-hmm. the super high priced superstar. They grow the guys and train the guys the way they want them to play and hang on to them too. And they hang on to them. So it's about consistency. Consistency right. is some financial, re- fiscal responsibility, but also it's kind of commitment to their community. Their fan base is so is so like they 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 bought in so much to their to their team for decades now that 
the Cardinals' average attendance has been second for years now. For a while, it was second only to the Yankees. Now it's second only to the Dodgers. Picture how big St. Louis is compared to how big New York City or Los Angeles That's is. That's crazy. And this is not a percentage thing, which Potty Mouth asked me before. No, this is straight up numbers. Yeah. Like the average number of attendees at a Cardinals game is second only to the average number at a Dodgers game or and sometimes at a Yankees game, depending on the wow. year. You know, I, I just have to defend Boston since I haven't mentioned them at all in this podcast. <laughs> they have a tiny part. Okay. Yeah. Sniff. Okay. We have no chance. Okay. It's all right. Okay. It's okay. Um, but so the Cardinal Way is kind of a thing, and it's such a thing that some businesses, like actual industry business, tries to like follow that model. One other thing they do, they teach everything that happens in the game. Everything that happens in the game is sort of a teaching moment. So as a play unfolds, whether it succeeds or it fails, the coaches will talk to the players on the bench or the players that were involved in that play and say, here's what happened. Right. Here's what went wrong. Here's what to remember. Here's what to do differently. So they're always learning constantly. So pretty cool when you hear Cardinal Way, that's what it means. It means old school, but kind of in a good way. Not old school in the we don't like those young guys playing loud. It's not that. It's we have a style that we we want you to understand how to how to make these plays. Yeah, as I sit here with my reading glasses, I'm thinking old school. We are right? so yes. yeah, we're, yeah. We're nodding I'm, to I each other relate. with our reading glasses mm-hmm. over our microphones. There you go. New school. I had the pleasure of going to the first DMV girls baseball tournament this weekend. DMV for those of you who don't live in the DMV is the um, is it the district or is it Delaware, Maryland, and Virginia? The DC is the DC Maryland yeah. Virginia girls baseball tournament. It was co-sponsored by Baseball for All and DC Girls Baseball, who we have talked to before on this very show. So much fun. My kid was home from school. We went to, we saw the 11U game, especially because our friend Shalva, who we interviewed a few months ago, was playing. And can I just say that she hit a double that came so close to going over the fence. Even the umpire was like, I thought that was gone. Oh, that's awesome. We got to see her pitch. We got to see her field. We got to see her hit that. And she is a fine player. And I I was like, because everybody so in the stands cool. knew her because all the parents and their friends and all that. And it was great because people would say, hey, you know, I so so which one's your kid? And I would point to Camden and say, this one's my kid. We're just here to watch. <laughs> yeah. Which is the best. Which is the best. I think last week when I talked about this being D.C., Maryland, and Virginia, I thought that's where all the teams were coming from. But I was totally wrong. Yeah. They're from up and down, well, the East Coast, right? So, yeah, so there were teams from three different places, the Boston Slammers Yay. and, and the, the, the New York Wonders, who I swear I misread as the New York Wampers, which I think <laughs> I like better. That is good. So they all sent teams in the 18 and under, the 13 and under, and the 11 and under categories. So there were like three teams from each of those three organizations. And also they had some exhibition stuff for nine and under kids so they could do some skills clinics. Wow. Which was super fun. Um, so they're trying to grow the game. We made some friends in the stands. It was, I, it's been a while since I've sat in the stands at a little weekend tournament since my kid was playing softball. Oh, used to do it all the time. A couple things happened. One is the fields we were on is the home field for a local softball team. And those girls came by selling raffle tickets to, you know, raise money for their team. And I swear to you, the three people that I heard in, interact with them all tried to get them to play softball, to play baseball instead. Huh. And they're like, yeah, well, our, you know, our siblings play baseball, but we play softball. Like, but, but don't you? Wait, what? Do, do you want to play baseball? And they're like, well, 
but we'd be the only girl on the team if we didn't. They're like, oh, yeah. So, so all the kids on D.C. baseball, D.C. Wow. girls baseball, yeah. play in Little League where they are the only girl on the team. And and parallel with that, they play D.C. girls baseball. So all of these parents that's and the amazing. coaches are trying to sell these girls. And I'm like, you know, it's okay to play softball if that's what you want to do. Yeah. If it's not what you want to do, we're here for you. But if, right. it's, if it's what you want to do, that's okay. They're two sports. They're two They're different sports. Two sports. So we made some friends um, in the stands from Canada. They had moved to the area from Toronto where they were involved in girls baseball. So they were looking for girls baseball. And I said, hey, we keep hearing that Canada has this whole great like network of girls baseball leagues. And they said, yeah, that's what everyone's been saying to us. And we didn't really understand that that was a thing. Until we <laughs> got not here, not the way it is. In the and US. and and the dad that we talked to actually was involved in you know in kind of putting together one of these local leagues, and he said there just isn't like slow pitch softball, so you don't track the girls differently if they want to play ball. Everybody plays baseball, so there isn't slow pitch softball like even on the little girl there, level. There's there's no slow pitch. So- he said, wow, you know, it's just when you're older, said a lot of, a lot of people play fast pitch huh. softball. He said he played fast pitch softball. It's like it's, it's you know it doesn't matter. It's not so it's not gendered. It's not gendered. They don't huh. track people differently. And he did say that as the teams get older, like the, the younger teams are about half and half girls and boys, and later on a lot of the girls kind of fall off. But it's not because they're going to softballs because they just don't really necessarily want to play a sport or they go to ice hockey, which is kick ass. Yeah. So I talked to hockey about them. I also want to say that, hey, I got to finally meet Justine Siegel in person because Baseball for All was helping to organize. So we chatted with her for a little while. Awesome. And she is super great. And she said, yeah, isn't it cool when you see the stuff in person? And she's right watching these girls play just as hard with just the, the skill and the desire and just going for it that we saw was pretty amazing. And um, one of the things that they did at this tournament that I've never seen before at a weekend tournament was this community building activity. All the players and their coaches were invited basically to a big honking dinner party. Like, you know, the Saturday night Sweet. of the weekend thing. It's like, hey, everybody come. Let's all hang out. Let's all meet each other and let's make a bigger network. And I thought that was pretty impressive. I had a lot of fun. Thank you, DC Girls Baseball, for making sure we knew about this and for welcoming us when we came to visit. And this is the first, right? The first DMV tournament. And I'm guessing it's going to be annual at this point. I'm hoping. It, looked, it was run beautifully. So I could see this totally happening again. So congrats. What are you doing this week? I don't know. Maybe watching some postseason baseball? I think so, starting right about now. So once again, dear listeners, you know so much more than I do, and I'm dying to know what you know, but I'm going to find out a little bit about what you know tonight in my time. I feel like I'm in a Doctor Who episode. (laughs) (laughs) I was going with I need a time turner. When you hear this, it'll be two days from now. We want to know what happens today, which is your two days ago. Yeah, Yeah. man. So I'm just going to say go Nats. Boo Yankees, Astros, you're unstoppable. Let's go just see St. what happens. Louis, go go St. Cardinals. Louis. So, do we have some official like endorsements then, NCIB endorsements and every? I I think they're implied. Yeah. I don't think they're necessarily in writing, but um, I think you know our biases, mm-hmm. and um, one of them right now is I don't care who you pitch, Nationals, but pitch them all if that's what it takes. Beat LA. Yep. Yep. I'm sure that's what you're doing this week. If you have a spare minute and you want to listen to some back episodes, that's awesome. If you have friends who you think might enjoy listening to us talk some baseball, please let them know about the No Crying in Baseball podcast. Please follow us on social media. Potty Mouth, this is you. We are Twitter at NCIB Podcast and Instagram and Facebook at No Crying in B-Ball on the interweb at www.nocryinginbball.com. Potty Mouth has to get to a playoff game. Say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Good night, Potty Mouth. Woo, 